I have the honour of sharing the word with us tonight and um, I'm sharing a similar message to what my brother Mitch shared this morning. So when I heard some of the scriptures that Mitch was about to share, I was hoping that he wasn't going to share my exact message. Isn't it funny that even though Mitch and I share the same parents, but we share the same Heavenly Father and we still hear the same message for the people of the church. And that God still can speak to us and, and speak to us in the same way to bring something much similar. So if you heard Mitch's message this morning, forgive me, we haven't shared notes or anything. So hopefully I can bring something that will edify you and allow you to get closer in your relationship with Jesus and allow you to want to lead people closer around you to that relationship as well. So we've been talking about a king and a cause, and you can see some of the posters up around, and we've probably been talking for this uh, vision for about six months now we've been sharing this. It's just around the six months we got shared this vision, and for the year, um, this theme around, uh, say, February, give or take. And the, the theme for the year is about the greatest person we could ever love and the greatest cause we could ever live. A king of kings and a cause of causes. And the main passage that we are focusing on, which last week and even this morning, Jackie allowed us to lead us in the Lord's Prayer as we did communion. Last Sunday night and last Sunday morning, uh, Pastor Jack, we all read it together in the service. I'm not going to ask that for us right now. But I will read the key passage of what we're focusing in on this year. And it's probably the most famous, if not one of the most famous passages in the whole Bible. So I'll read just Matthew 6, 9 to 10. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. We can all look at this verse and say, give us today our daily bread, and it may be done on earth as it is in heaven. Or we know the old traditional King James Version, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as it is on earth as it is in heaven. And we came to this question to ask ourselves every day, what on earth am I doing for heaven's sake? What on earth am I doing for the sake of heaven? As I go to work, as I'm with my family, as I'm with the people around me, my friends and whoever, what am I doing to lead them closer to heaven? How are you working through me to lead people closer to heaven around me in my life? How am I doing that? And most recently, we seem to have zoned in on this part over the past, say, month or so about the kingdom and looking at the kingdom. Pastor Jack shared recently, these are some of his message, the kingdom of hope, which I heard was an amazing message. I listened to that as well. Then the kingdom of freedom, which we had last week, and the kingdom of God. And then Mitch shared this morning, the kingdom within. And I'm going to share a similar message. I'm going to start with Matthew 4:17. This is just after when Jesus gets baptized. He goes into um, he goes into where he's out into the um, wilderness, and the enemy t- tries to tempt him. As soon as he comes back, he starts preaching, and it's in Matthew 4:17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Then again, he says, as he's later on, he's trained up and he's got his disciples and he goes to send them out. 
And then again, he says the same thing for them to say to people. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Then further on, Jesus goes on to say in Luke 17, 21, and he seems to have shifted a little bit from saying it is near to saying, as Mitch said, this same scripture this morning, people will not say, look, here it is, there it is. This is about the kingdom because God's kingdom is within you. So we've learned to pray, your kingdom come. The kingdom has come near. The kingdom is within us. But what is the kingdom? What is the kingdom in heaven? And how do we know it is within us? How do we know with the kingdom is in us? Wouldn't it be nice to have some kind of checklist or things that we could know that, hey, the kingdom is within me. I know that I've got the kingdom inside me every day. Well, I'm glad you asked because I've found three ways or three traits, just three for now, but there probably are many others, that we can test and see is the kingdom within us. And it's in Romans 14, 17. It says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, as much as a lot of us would like it to be, a lot of eating and drinking. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let's read it this way. For the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you these three things tonight. Are you living in righteousness? Do you have a peace that surpasses all understanding? And is your joy pure joy? Do you have these three things in every season of life? Because I have righteousness, but sometimes, and Asher did an amazing job with the communion, sometimes I need to be reminded of the righteousness of God. Sometimes I should actually really come to the cross every day, as it says in the Bible. Come to the cross every day. Keep your account short with him. Sometimes I need to be reminded of the righteousness of God. You see, I have peace in my life, but my peace only has a certain capacity. And when things happen and your daily life and you get frustrated, sometimes it really tests my peace. And you know what? I have joy But is my joy the pure joy? Do I have pure joy that can stand the test and trial of everything that comes against me in every season of life? See, I have these things, but sometimes I only have a limited capacity. Whereas I want to live in the kingdom or have the kingdom living in me to have an unlimited capacity of righteousness, peace and joy. The pure joy. So first... Are you living in righteousness? What does righteousness actually mean? We can all, I've just done the simple thing and gone to the dictionary meaning. And it says, acting in accord with divine or moral law or free from guilt or sin. I like that. Free from guilt or sin. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, God made him... Jesus, 
who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Through us accepting Jesus and having faith in him and reconfiguring that every day, we might become the righteousness of God. In Philippians 19, 11, it says, As this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Our faith in Jesus Christ and the fruit of that is righteousness. As we build and work on our faith and build our trust and love in him every day by spending time in a word, spending time in prayer, that's going to build the righteousness in our life. In Romans 3.22, before the famous verse of Romans 3.23, it says, This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So I ask you, do you have, are you living in righteousness? But are you living in righteousness every day? Or are you just reminded of it at communion months a month? Or when you come around the cross in an encounter time? It's got to be a daily thing that we're living in righteousness. You know, and now the second question. Do you have a peace that surpasses all understanding? We all know this famous verse, the popular verse, about peace that passes all understanding. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I want to read a different version. Always be glad because of the Lord. I will say it again, be glad. Always be gentle with others. The Lord will soon be here. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything with thankful hearts. Offer up your prayers and requests to God. Then, because you belong to Jesus Christ, God will bless you with peace that no one can completely understand. And this peace will control the way you think and feel. That's a bit of a different way to read it. But I, I, I kind of look at it as there's a few things that tick off to get that peace that is that no one can completely understand. First I read, be glad because of the Lord. One, be gentle with others. Two, don't worry. And then, because you belong to Christ, you will get that peace that no one can completely understand. So what is it? Be glad, be gentle, don't worry. Peace is the fruit of those three things. It's almost like a prerequisite. Be glad, be gentle, don't worry, and you have peace. And not the normal peace. It's a peace that no one can completely understand. Mitch shared this morning about 20 years ago, our father had an accident and was in an induced coma for over a month. Mitch would have only been about 18, 19, 20 at the time. And yet still, he had that peace that no one could completely understand. Sometimes there's that supernatural peace that comes on us. That comes through righteousness, peace, and joy. Third, is your joy a pure joy? James, the brother of Jesus, wrote the letter of James and was one of the leaders of the early church. 
And this, he starts off James with probably most, my most ambivalent verse, the most love-hate verse I have for me personally. I like what it says, but it's hard to believe what it says. And I'll start it off. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. I don't know about you, but for me, the joy is the hardest part of these three things. The pure joy. We can talk about righteousness and we can receive that every day. I have a capacity for peace, but pure joy in times, tough times, times when things get tested, times when things are hard or you have those hard seasons in life, having the pure joy is the hardest thing. We can look to Jesus in Hebrews 12 too, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And we all know this verse, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It's about the joy set before him. But the pure joy, what makes it pure joy? And does this verse mean that, you know, when a loved one passes away, your father, your mother, your grandfather, that you're meant to jump up and down for joy? When you don't get that promotion that you were looking for at work, you're meant to look at it in joy? When that bill or, you know, you get that diagnosis that you weren't hoping for, or a friend or a family member tells you about a diagnosis that you weren't hoping for. What, you're meant to look at that as joy? It's kind of opposite to the mind. And, but it says in Romans, Romans 8.28, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Three quick things about trials and to bring joy out from them, from James. Contemplation supplication and expectation. Contemplation in verse 2 to 4. We can find joy in the midst of our problems only when we work and not recognize their purpose and the results. Supplication, verse 5. God gives us trials in such a way that we lack nothing in the end. And expectation. If we ask, for God, ask God for wisdom, ask in faith expecting his answer. Can we get the band up, please? You know what? Sometimes it's hard to have the pure joy, to get your head around it. Like, why does it say pure joy instead of just joy? Why doesn't it say endure those of joy? For me personally, because pure joy has to be refined. It's like a gold where it has to refine and get all the in, um, the 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 dirt and everything out of that of the gold so it can refine it and get more pure. Sometimes when you're looking at your situation, we need to have that contemplation, supplication and expectation. What is God doing in this situation that I can look at it in pure joy? You know, at some times in my life, I've looked back 
and thought, God, why did you do this here? Why has this happened right now? And yet I look at how God has led me through those times and those circumstances and how the wisdom that he has grown in me through those tough times in life. And then I realise the joy in that moment. Sometimes in the moment you can't see the joy, but in reflection you can see the joy, the work that God has done in you and through you during those times. So I want to ask you, no matter what comes against me or my way, what I go through, ask God for the wisdom to grow me spiritually, to see the bigger picture and reveal the joy and give me wisdom in every circumstance. Matthew 6, 9 to 10. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom, righteousness, peace, joy, come. For the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you these three, th- are these three things. Do you have these three traits? Or are you lacking in one of these? Do you have the capacity for righteousness and peace, but in pure joy an area where you're thinking, I think I need to work on that? Is peace something that you need to have come over you and rest over you in your life? So I want to ask you as I close tonight, is God speaking to you about one of these things? Are you living in righteousness? Do you have a peace that no one can completely understand in your season? Is your joy pure joy? I just want to pray. Lord, we want your kingdom to be in us, Father. We want you to lead us in each and every day through every circumstance. And we want you, we want your righteousness, peace and joy to work through us and grow us. Lord, if we are lacking in any of these, would you please, Lord God, reveal to us. The worship team is going to start a song now. And I'm going to ask you, ask yourself these questions. Do I need to receive the righteousness of God? When was the last time that you came to the cross? In my current season, do I have a peace that no one can completely understand? And is my joy pure joy? Lord, would you work in us? Would you refine us? Would you grow us and give us the capacity and wisdom to face the season we're currently in and every season that comes from here on out, Lord God? Thank you, Jesus.